Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. We're busy with the series of Ephesians and we're going to jump right into it. You guys can open up Ephesians 4 verse 20 and uh, we'll, we'll get into that. And this is really, as, as a ministry, we really want the world to encounter Jesus. We want the world to encounter Jesus because there's a large part of the world um, who hasn't come to know Christ. Like I said, um, the little boy, Julius, um, man, when I asked him, does he know Jesus? He said, is that your name? For example, that, that's radical. Like, that that there's people who's that's their response and you and me we've come to know jesus we're growing in our understanding of jesus love for us and there's people out there who hasn't come to know the things that you've come to know week in and week out what you are receiving whether it's at church whether it's at life group whether it's your personal devotion time with god there's things that you've come to know that there's a huge chunk of this world who hasn't even seen the tip of the mountain of what you've encountered, what you've experienced through your relationship with God. And so let's start by sharing that tip of the mountain with our world, with the people around us, so they can also experience the mountain of Jesus and the mountain of his love. Amen. Good stuff. Uh, I'm not going to recap on our previous week uh, in Ephesians. You guys can get the teaching on SoundCloud if you want to get that. But Ephesians 4 verse 20 to 21 from the Passion, it says, But this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. If you have really experienced the anointed one and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. This is awesome. And uh, so so Paul is writing it to the church. And there's a few things that that comes up and a, a few things that will come up later with regards to carnally doing things that is contrary to the Spirit of God inside of you. And all of us are maybe at, at times doing things that we realize it's contrary to God's Spirit, God's nature inside of me. I'm not talking about when you lose your temper while driving in traffic or um, when you have a nasty thought about someone. We're like, oh, I wish they bumped their toe or something like that. Maybe none of you have had the, any of those sort of thoughts of late. Um, maybe you have. I haven't had a thought of that of any of you guys. Um, but, uh, so, so those types of things happen in our lives. And this is what Paul's saying, like, maybe like you, you've experienced this or you've, you've done that, or you, you're going to experience this, but he says the emphasis here, but this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. And that unfolding within you is the spirit of God, but he also wants the spirit of God not to stay dormant inside of you, but he wants the spirit of God to be streams of living water gushing forth from you. That is when you're sharing the love of Christ with the people around you. That is when you're allowing the Holy Spirit to bring transformation in your life by yielding to Him, by humbly saying, man, I haven't arrived. This stupid that I did this morning, that's not, that's not God's nature inside of me. It's not His will for me to lose my temper to my wife, like to be, become frustrated, to acknowledge those things and to realize, man, this is, this is not God's nature. Father, help me to not act like that anymore help me to not respond in that way anymore that is allowing the spirit of god because god requires you to be humble 
He requires you to acknowledge where you are at so that you can grow from where you're at to where you can be, right? And it's not performance. It's not striving. It's just acknowledging in the moment, man, Jesus, you're better than this. And you're living inside of me. You're my empowering. So I'm better than this. Verse 21, if you have really experienced the anointed one, say experienced. Experienced. It's talking about tangibility. If you've experienced the anointed one, David writes about this. Psalm 30, uh, 34, no, 38. I always get confused. 38 verse 4. 34 verse 8. 34 verse 8. Yeah, taste and see. Uh, man, I need to uh, kind of cement it into my mind. Um, 37, 4, so it's 34, 8. So 34, 8. I'm pretty sure it's 34, 8. So Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. And it's going to, can someone confirm whether it is 34, 8? <laughs> because it's going to bug me. Um, so there's an experience that, that David writes about, and he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I got the thumbs up from uh, David, 34, 8. Um, there's a desire that God has got for us to taste, to experience, and to see that He is good. When we're experiencing something about God, we're going to talk about it. We're going to, our lives are going to show. If I went to Bali, a few years ago, we went to Bali. I had an experience there. I came back. Guess what? I was more tanned than when I went there. That is now the, the, the most practical example that I could use. So if you experience something, it's going to look like something. It's going to, it's going to show. And yet Paul is saying, and he says, if you have experienced the anointed one, and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. The awesome thing is that if it's not showing in your life, you don't need to go and conjure up the fruit that you're seeing in the word. Paul is not saying, hey guys, see what the fruit is in Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 and go and try and do it. He's saying, no, come and experience the reality of God's spirit inside of you. Come and know, come to realize and be transformed by your identity as a child of God, because that will lead to fruit. It will lead to a life that people look at you and you're like, man, that person has been with Jesus. We see this in Acts 4 verse 13 from the Living Bible. And it says, when the council saw the boldness of Peter and John, and could see that they were obviously uneducated non-professionals. Maybe you're feeling like that, an uneducated non-professional. And this is in light of something specific, the Jewish uh, like culture of uh, studying and the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees studying the word out and being educated professionals in their uh, arena of, of studies of the scriptures. And it says they were amazed and realized what being with Jesus had done for them. Not by their professionalism and their education in the scriptures. No, being with Jesus, because you can go to the word and not be with Jesus. You can come to church and not be with Jesus. It's not that he's not living inside of you. It's not that he's leaving you, but you're not realizing the life of Christ inside of you and what his desire for you is. Like Devin used the example of Mary and Martha. Martha was, Jesus was there in a, in a house. She could experience him, but she was all about all of these other things that she needed to do. But Mary was experiencing Jesus. She was sitting at his feet. She was enjoying Jesus. That's God's desire for you because Jesus replied and he said to Martha, one thing is needful. Matthew 6.33, one thing is needful. Not seek first. That, uh, the correct translation of seeking first the kingdom of God is actually seek only. Seek only the kingdom of God. 
One thing is needful, sitting at Jesus' feet. That's the kingdom of God, realizing God's desire for your spirit living inside of you and coming to know that, growing in that, and his spirit living through you. These guys were uneducated, unprofessionals. We'll come back to that in a moment, jumping back to Ephesians 4, 20 and 21. When we experience Jesus, it will show. If it's not showing, again, don't try and conjure up the fruit. But when, if it's not showing, it's, it's probably because we're looking at a distorted Jesus. Either we're looking at a distorted Jesus, our view of Jesus isn't pure. Because what you behold, you become, right? What you behold, what you're looking at, what you're focusing on a constant basis, that is what you become. As a man thinks in his heart, so easy. So if you're not beholding Jesus and his purity and what he's accomplished for us on the cross, it's going to show in your life. And it's not to put condemnation on you. It's to actually liberate you to go back to the drawing board. And either it's, it's that you're seeing this distorted picture of Jesus or your heart has become hardened. Your heart has become hardened by various things. And it's very easy to identify that as well. A hardened heart is really, it's going to show oftentimes in bitterness, being unhappy, being unhappy about a whole bunch of things. There's just a bitterness in your, in your, in your, in your life. You're not enjoying life. You often see this with people who are super religious, legalists, right? Their hearts are hardened to the love of Christ. And it's showing, it's showing on their faces. It's funny, uh, reminds me of, of Chris. He's enjoying his lemon these days. Well, he's enjoyed it for quite a while now. But it's that like, that love-hate relationship. Like he puts the lemon in his mouth and he's like, and then, and then he like pulls his face as you guys would uh, imagine. And that pulling of the face, a lot of Christians look like that. It's just like, yo, it's bitter. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's sour. And we don't, wanna, we don't want that to show because, man, when we're ministering the gospel to people, we want them to want what we have. I love, the, I, I love obviously, all people. And you, you get a whole bunch of religions out there doing a whole bunch of funny things. And uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, for, for one, are standing, standing there with their carts next to the road and they dress very formal. I don't want any of that. Like, obviously, because I've known what life with Jesus is about. But that's not like, that's not great marketing for the gospel, right? We want to be great marketing for the gospels. Your life is a placard for the life of Christ. And this is what, what Paul is writing about. He's writing about an experience. And he's writing about, if you've experienced something, it's going to show. If, uh, Acts 4 verse 13 from the Passion Translation coming back to this experience and being with Jesus. And it says, the council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training. Then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. This is awesome. Please highlight this verse in your Bible. Highlight, meditate on. Peter and John, they were uneducated. They were non-professionals. They were ordinary men like you and me. Most of you haven't been to any form of Bible college. Some of you don't even, you can't even uh, rehearse John 3 verse 16. Or you can't quote even John 3 verse 16. And that's fine. Because here we see Peter and John and they weren't these educated people who had religious training and they can quote scriptures and they can quote Psalm 23, Psalm 91 and John 3, 16 and 17. It's not about any of the, those things. 
They began to understand. They realized what life with Jesus, by simply being with Jesus, was all about. Maybe you're considering going to Bible college or doing ministry school, and, and that's good. But don't do it for the wrong reason. Paul said knowledge puffs up. There's too many Christians, and coming back to the example of the guy doing school of the believer, he said, like, man, when I'm there one day, like, I can't wait to, 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 to be able to one day be there where I'm able to share the gospel. Too many Christians fall into the trap of consuming information, building up head knowledge. I love there's a quote by a, a, a popular Christian leader. I'm not going to give his name to you guys now. I don't want you to go and... Um, the funny thing is, generally, if I endorse someone from the pulpit, I'm not endorsing everything about them. So I'm, I'm just endorsing this one uh, quote from them, for example. So I'm not going to use them as an example even right now. But the quote is this, don't, lead, don't let your learning lead to knowledge, but let your learning lead to action. Oftentimes, Christianity, man, you're like going from one course to the other course, one Bible school to the next Bible school. And it's just knowledge, 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 becoming puffed up, puffed up, puffed up. And there's no flow, calling it spiritual constipation. We want there to be flow in our lives. We want the Spirit of God to not be a dormant puddle, but to be a stream of living water bubbling forth from us. The life, living with Jesus or enjoying His presence, being with Him as we see in Acts 4 verse 13, it's not going to show in any temporal way. If your life and the, you, you, your experience with Jesus, you being with Jesus, if, if it's showing in a carnal, temporal way, it's not what Jesus intended for you spending time with him. What do I mean by that? If you being with Jesus now in this term and uh, 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 an application to Acts 4 verse 13, if you being with Jesus is showing in a way that an unbeliever can show, it's not what Jesus intended. Are you guys getting my point? You being with Jesus needs to show in some supernatural way that it looks different to the unbeliever not being with Jesus. We need to think about these things. Because oftentimes we think giving food to the poor is being with Jesus. Yes, that might be a, a fruit of you being with Jesus. But the unbeliever can also do that. So being with Jesus needs to be more than just what the unbeliever can also do in their flesh, in the natural. What did we say a few weeks ago? A good word is a challenging word. It will show in a spiritual, eternal way. Jesus intended for us to experience the fruit of the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit in us and through us, while we're making God's greatest dream come to pass. 1 Timothy verse 4 for all men to be saved and to come to knowledge of the truth that's god's desire that's god's dream us being with jesus is coming to know the spirit of god inside of us us being to, with jesus is having the fruit of the spirit bear in our lives so so radically that other people are amazed at it us being with jesus is the gifts of the spirit in our lives and through our lives demonstrated on a daily basis not just one day when all of the believers come together at that big crusade and that big conference and then it's amazing goosebumps and then the manifestation is there and then the rest of the year there's nothing. Maybe I'm, uh, I'm just preaching to the choir and you guys have never experienced that. God's desire for us is to enjoy Him, to experience Him on a daily basis and have Him live through us 
making his dream come to pass for all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now let's look at this passage of scripture. I love this passage and let's look at it a little bit in context because I love these words. We see the words boldness and courage come up and all of us want to be bold, right? All of us want to be courageous. All of us want to be fierce. But what is, what is their boldness and courage for? What is the boldness and courage that, that Peter and John had here? What was it about? What was it for? What was it going to accomplish? And so if we jump down to verse 10 here, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, Acts 14, and we'll read up until verse 14. It says, You and everyone else in Israel should know that it is by the power of the name of Jesus that the crippled man stands here today completely healed. So there was a supernatural miracle there. A crippled man was healed by the power of the name of Jesus Christ, by the ability of the name of Jesus Christ. You crucified Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but God raised him from the dead. That's bold. There's an accusation made here. You guys crucified him. You killed Jesus. You crucified him, but God raised him from the dead. This Jesus is, is the stone that you, you the builders, have rejected. And now he has become the cornerstone. There's no one else who has the power to save us. For there's only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must, be, by which we must experience salvation. The name of Jesus. They're preaching a gospel here. They're saying Jesus died. Jesus was raised. This is the gospel. This is God's desire. This is salvation. The council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage. Here we get into verse 13. So their bold courage and they, uh, uh, as they witnessed their bold courage of Peter and, Don, and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training, then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Verse 14, standing there with them was a the healed man and there was nothing further they could say. So again, what was Peter and John's courage and boldness used for? Maybe you want to use your courage and boldness to, to push through that job interview. Maybe you want your boldness and courage to kind of uh, enable you to run that marathon or you fill in the blank. The boldness and courage that was stirred in Peter and John's life in that moment wasn't for any carnal thing. It was for an internal matter. Yes, carnally that man was healed in that moment. So his life was bettered in that moment. So yes, it was a, there was a carnal thing that happened, but it was coming from a supernatural source, the Spirit of God inside of them. But more than that, they ministered the gospel of Jesus to the men there. You crucified Jesus, but God raised him from the dead. And it's by the name of Jesus Christ that all men should be saved. Ministering the gospel there. Peter denied knowing Jesus. A few days probably before this, this encounter. A few weeks. Denied knowing Jesus three times. Yet now stands up and say, hey guys, you crucified Jesus. The son of God. That's boldness and that's courage. So their boldness and courage wasn't for something temporal. It wasn't for self-centered reason. What are you using your boldness and courage for? What are you using your faith for? How much of your faith, how much of your prayer life is spent on self-centered? Good word is it? I'm glad you guys know that. I'm being challenged by this because, and it's not to, it's again, it's not to say God doesn't want you to have things in your life. But if we're honest with ourselves, because we want to be honest with ourselves, right? We don't want to beat around the bush. We don't want to be pretenders. 
I don't want to be a pretender. I'm sure you guys don't want to be pretenders either. We don't want to play church. I'm not, I'm not here, a pastor playing church, trying to put up a nice show, getting you guys comfortable. At least you don't get offended with me. Those, that's, not, that's not my heart. That's not my desire. My desire is for us to grow as a body together, for the church of God to grow and to be this glorious bride that he intends for us to be. And that's going to require some challenging word, some getting uncomfortable. That's why you guys are sitting in the chairs you are. You stay uncomfortable so you guys can leave you and go out into the world. <laughs> oh, my wife is upset with me because she wants comfortable chairs. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, she does want comfortable chairs. Um, and I've told her, man, and I've shared this story with you guys before. If comfortable chairs are, are going to get you guys to, to go out there and be more, more fruitful for the kingdom of God and making his dream come to pass for all men to be saved and come to knowledge of truth, I'll get you guys comfortable chairs. But I know it's not going to help you guys. This is an awesome privilege that we have. Peter and John, the, the, the lives that they live, Paul, when he, when he writes about this in Philippians chapter 4, it's beautiful. Or the whole, the, whole book, the, the whole letter of Philippians uh, is, is awesome. But when Paul writes about, I've learned in all circumstances, in all situations, whether I've got nothing to eat, whether I've got lots to eat, whether I've got no bed to sleep in, whether I've got a comfortable bed to sleep in, whether I'm in prison, whether I'm free, in all circumstances, what's your circumstances? Maybe you, you've got need right now. Maybe. You, you, you're barely surviving. Maybe you're barely uh, uh, pushing through. Please let me know if that is the case. So that as a family, we want to support you because that's God's desire for family. Much of your giving and your financial showing towards this, this campus is to take care of the family, to provide for your own. And that's our heart's desire. So if that is you, please let us know. But Paul wrote about this the supernatural approach that he had to love to learn in all circumstances to be content, to be satisfied. Now, it's very difficult for us to understand from a carnal point of view. From a, from a carnal, natural point of view, your flesh wants things. Your flesh is happy when it's fed. Your flesh is unhappy when it's not fed. You guys know what hangry is, right? It's something I'm growing to, 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 uh, to reject. The, the spirit of hangry. Um, I'm definitely better, but man, it does get to me oftentimes, like the spirit of hangry, when, you ha when you're hungry and then you get angry. Um, but I know if Paul could do it, then I can also do it. And all of the apostles and, and self-life, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Now it's time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you and to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life and life in union with him. For God has recreated you all over in his perfect righteousness. So discard every form of dishonored sea lie so that you'll be known. Speaks the truth for we all belong to one another. Now, this is awesome. This is beautiful. Let's jump into a few of these things. As he has taught you, let go of the lifestyle of the ancient man, the old self-life. Now, again, some translations uh, get old life, the ancient man, the old self-life. 
which was corrupted by sinful, deceitful desires that spring from delusions. Verse 23, now it's time to be made new. And this made new isn't something that we do. Let's read this. To be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. So the newness that we experience, the life, the fruit-bearing life that we experience is not by focusing on our fruit. It's by getting a revelation. Romans 12 is to, to be transformed new by the renewing of your mind. Be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. It's been given to you already. The Spirit of God has been given to you. You've got the Spirit of God. You've got the Spirit. Yes, you do. And to be transformed as you embrace. Say embrace. Embrace means accept. It means to come to terms with. So if you embrace, there's also an option not to embrace, right? If there's an option to accept, there's also an option not to accept. As you embrace the glorious Christ within you as your new life, and live in union with Him. For God has, past tense, recreated you all over again in His perfect righteousness. Not your perfect righteousness, His perfect righteousness. And you now belong to Him in the realm of true holiness. And that is the source. That is the, the root again to, again, verse 25. So discard every form of dishonesty. And Paul writes about this in Corinthians as well. The church is broken. They're distorted. They're living dysfunctionally. And he writes to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and he says that anyone who is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. So because of that oneness, because of this, 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 this empowering inside of you, because of this new life inside of you, this new driving force to live, why are you living like this? A, it doesn't make sense. You've got, a new, you've got a new driving force that wants to do good, that wants to live holy. So he's not putting the focus on the works and rebuking the works for the sake of uh, legalism, but he's reminding them of their union with God. And here in Ephesians, it's the same thing. We need to be reminded of our union with Christ, how one we are with him, how God has recreated us, Christ within you as your new life. We need to embrace this because as we embrace this, we can be transformed by this. Our lives, our actions. His recreation led to perfect righteousness and true holiness. So this is a, a kind of a rhetorical question or a trick question. How do we become more righteous and more holy? We don't. You don't become more righteous. You don't become more holy. You realize how much you are righteous, how much you are holy. You be reminded by that. You renew your mind and you are transformed by that renewing to every. And all dimensions of righteousness that God has for you. All dimensions of holiness that he has for you. We see this beautifully illustrated last passage of scripture in Romans chapter 7 verse 5 and 6. It says, when we were merely living natural lives, the law through defining sin actually awakened sinful desires within us, which resulted in bearing the fruit of death. But now that we have been fully released from the power of the law, we are dead to what once controlled us and our lives are no longer motivated by the obsolete way of following the written code so that now we may serve God by living in the freshness of a new life in the power of the Holy Spirit. A new way so that now we can serve God. And this picture of serving God isn't a place of safe to serve, even though there's a truth serving God, it's not 
to serve as the first and the primary salvation. The call to salvation, God's desire for you to be saved wasn't so you can serve him. Get this. You're not saved to serve. You're saved to have relationship with God, to enjoy perfect union with him. And when you have relationship with God and enjoy perfect union with him, you're going to overflow in serving him. We can't put that as the first and the primary thing that you are saved for. It's the illusion of the gospel. Serve God by living in this freshness of new life and the power of the Holy Spirit. We live out our righteousness and holiness by going back to basics. The basics is God's desire from the beginning of creation. To live in relationship with man, to be one with us. And this is something we need to embrace, something we need to accept. Because it's counter so much of what we've grown up in church to year. There's a quote by Augustus M. Top Lady. I don't know how to pronounce his surname. It looks like Top Lady, but I'm sure it's, that's not the right pronunciation. <laughs> if it is, then uh, I'm sure he's not offended at my pronunciation or I was laughing at him. But uh, Augustus has said this based on, and it's a commentary on uh, Romans 7, verse, uh, verse 5 and 6. He says, we are now set free to serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So the, 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 the empowering, again, the empowering, the motivation is completely, it's completely different. It's not better, it's different. Hope you guys get that. It's not better, it's different. Our service is motivated by love, not fear. It's a service of freedom, not bondage. It's no longer a question of slavishly adhering to my new details or forms and ceremonies, but only or but joyfully outpouring ourselves for the glory of God and the blessings of others. Our service is motivated. I'm going to read again. Our service to God, it's motivated by love, not fear. It's a service of freedom, not bondage. It's no longer a question of slavishly adhering to minute details of forms and ceremonies, but of the joyful outpouring of ourselves for the glory of God and the blessings of others. Because Christianity isn't self-centered. However good it is for you, it's not self-centered. It's God's spirit changing you, your mind to, to not just look at it, how it's blessing you and it's how it's impacting you, but having it overflow in your life to how you can be a blessing to those around you by bringing them into the family of God. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.